fellow product-led podcast listeners. When I think of efficiency power curves, one person comes to mind. Erika Zekte is a CEO and founder of Persona. She started her career in neuroscience, transitioned to marketing and business development, but always kept her North Star. Her mission is to make work purposeful again by empowering professionals to build A-grade processes, teams, and business goals. Erika is also an Asana certified pro. She brings order to the chaos of fast-growing companies. Erika, before we start, we're so excited to have you here, but you're excited about docs. How come? What fascinates you about docs? Oh, that's actually a very good question. But first of all, thank you so much for such a great intro. I feel like I should cut that part and, you know, just post it as my intro everywhere so people know what I do. (laughs) Excellent introduction. Yeah, I mean, dogs, honestly, they're loyal. That's one thing. Of course, some nuances can come in a way, but overall, they're very loyal. And you know, the way they look at you, it just makes you feel like you, you have to be always better version of yourself because dogs always look at you like you are, you know, an inspiration and God to them. So um, yeah, it just makes you be better every day. Love it because dogs spell backwards is actually God. So yeah, totally doubling ah. down on what you're saying and what a nice point. Alrighty, uh, let's dive into history for a sec. Could you please describe three milestones in your career that played absolutely crucial role in bringing you where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first milestone would definitely be me deciding to leave Lithuania. So I'm from Lithuania originally. Leave Lithuania and go study abroad. That's when I went to study to Scotland, Edinburgh, study neuroscience. So that was like one big milestone because that really pushed me outside my comfort zone. And it wasn't such a usual thing to do among my friends. So that was like one big milestone. The next big milestone was definitely coming back because that wasn't easy. You know, after spending five and a half years abroad, you kind of get comfortable again. You know, everyone, you know, friends. I mean, everything kind of moves into that different country. So coming back was like another big milestone. And the third milestone, probably, I would say, was my decision to quit a really good management corporate job that I had. I've been in that job for six months. And, you know, my family was so proud. It's like, yeah, you did it. You nailed it. And six months in, I was like, I'm going to quit the job and I'm going to become a personal assistant, like more like freelancer personal assistant. And I just couldn't understand, you know, how you can go from like being project manager, overseeing, you know, like researchers, scientists, product managers and so on, and then go to be a personal assistant who's also a freelancer, no stability whatsoever. So I would say that was like three big milestones in my life. And each one of them pushed me outside my comfort zone, 100%. Gosh, that's impactful. I have so many sub-questions. So what made you like choose neuroscience? What fascinates you about personal assistant work? But maybe we could go down those roads uh, in a second episode that we will produce because today we got to focus and we got to be effective if we have an efficiency episode. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Your work is all about bringing order and peace of mind to fast-growing companies. It sounds like a miracle, is it? To be honest, it doesn't, I don't know if it sounds like a miracle. Of course, you know, everyone wants to have this peace of mind. They want to have the structure, but I wouldn't say it's a miracle. I would say it's more like a recurring daily task on your agenda. Like you should always work on improving your processes, building structure, you know, guiding your people better. That should be like an item of your agenda every single day. Also, 
I mean, it all comes down to consistency, how consistent you, you are. And if you do want to have this miracle, let's say, you have to just stay consistent and constantly improve whatever you're doing. So yeah, I don't know if it's a miracle, but uh, definitely something that uh, you can do. And, you know, with my help, I'll, I'll just mainly give guidance and I keep the partners that I work with accountable. So I feel like this is what the miracle is actually in real life. Mm. Surprisingly, it sounds a lot like being a fitness trainer. So to hold mm. people accountable and committed towards their goals. Yeah, but you know, the consultants overall, like the majority of their benefit comes from keeping you accountable because I mean, a lot of information can be out there on the internet. Of course, one thing is that we give very concise information that's been proven and tested. But another thing is we just keep people accountable to make sure that, you know, they're doing what they should be doing. So... Yeah. Fitness trainers. Yes. Let's call ourselves like this. Business fitness trainers. Love it. Such such strong points already. So let's get very, very, very concrete with product-led people, right? So, you Mm -hmm. know, products like are a different beast and things get broken and we are thriving in chaos, better or worse, depending Mm -hmm. on the day. So it literally feels like we would be swimming in the ocean. Do you have any best practices how to manage time and focus? Like how to set the right goals and priorities? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, and this is actually comes from my consulting program, how I advise people to set goals and businesses to set goals. First of all, uh, the best advice is to identify one to two big goals. And when I mean big, I mean like bold, inspiring and guiding. So they should be for like upcoming two, three years and knowing that usually, you know, it's startups. So you're not aiming for like five, 10 years. I would say like two, three years is a good uh, range. Then just, you know, break it down into yearly goals, quarterly goals. I personally like to use OKR framework and which means that we break it down into objectives and key results. And then overall, you know, just put them somewhere where you see them and not only see them, but where you have this accountability aspect, meaning, you know, use Asana, ClickUp, Trello, whatever tool that you use uh, to you know, plan and manage your work and just put your goals in there and assign, you know, those tasks to yourself. Make sure you're always checking in on those goals. And I think like this is the most important part because we all tend to plan a lot. And especially, for example, at the beginning of the year, we just plan the whole year ahead, but then nothing happens because that plan just stays in the plan format. So I know, you know, how nice it is to plan your goals inside the Miro. And I know you use Miro, no offense here, because I like Miro too. But yeah, I would just transfer whatever you planned into, let's say, Asana or, I don't know, Trello. Maybe Trello is not ideal. Like ClickUp or Monday. And I would just break it down into actual steps that I'm going to do on a day-to-day basis or week-by-week basis. So I think, yeah, that's definitely one thing. And then another thing is make sure you delegate a lot of work that you're doing. And I know delegation is like a completely different topic. And, uh, you know, just delegate anything that can be done at least 80% of the quality that you would typically do. And if you can delegate, you know, then then you will achieve much more. What about if you like it? If you like it? I mean, if you're playing on your strengths, keep it. But if you're playing on your strengths and you just don't have the time, I mean, you're not going to get it done. So then delegate it. But of course, you should always be playing in business. You should always be playing on your strengths. Uh, that's like very important because that's when you're going to feel joy. That's when you're going to feel satisfied, motivated and so on. And that's actually the same principle that you should be building team around you. You should actually build a team where they are really good at things, you know, and yeah, because that's, you know, we talked about the purpose-driven organizations. Like one way is also to make sure people play on their strengths and you're not trying to, to change them and, you know, make them be really good at what they are not good at naturally. 
So yeah, so I would say, you know, start with big goals, break it down and make it, make it very actionable. And then delegate uh, is another thing. Awesome. Easier said than done in practice, as we all know, because it's an ongoing process. Like everybody gets so distracted these days, like yeah. things are all around us. And there are some tasks that we just like, hmm, let me issue those invoices. It will be yeah. so much quicker. So yeah, it's all about the discipline and just like understanding that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's consistency, exactly. And But also, as I said, I mean, yes, we can easily get distracted. That's why, you know, as I mentioned, as consultants, we act as accountability partners because we make sure people are staying on top of those goals. They're actually executing and doing things. So, yeah, I mean, get accountability partner, make it actionable and try to stay as focused as possible. And I mean, how to stay focused is another topic which we can touch uh, in the next episode, let's say. But yeah, definitely it's um, it's doable and everyone can do it. Fantastic. Also like on a personal level, probably, because it just sounds so logical to maybe book some slots in Google Calendar or something like that, mm-hmm. but to really like have it visible and not taking a lot of compromises of what is done and also being done. Cool, 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 yeah. cool, cool. What an awesome discussion already. <laughs> so let's try to talk about processes in fast growing companies now. So we kind of established this understanding, what are the goals, mm-hmm. but processes probably lead us to those goals or uh, am I mistaken? What are maybe some indicators that processes could be improved? If you, for example, see that you are not going to the goals that you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. A very good question. So the first thing that I would point out is if you notice that, let's say, a certain person in the team is not, you know, doing something as you expect or there's being a delay or something, always think uh, first, can the process be improved rather than can the person be replaced? Because we often tend to blame the person and not the process. So that's like the first thing that I would recommend to do. If something is not going well, don't blame the person. Try to, first of all, fix the process. If you fix the process and of course the person is still not performing, then you can question, you know, how we can help this person perform better or if you can move into this person into a new role and and so on. The second thing about processes that would signal that something needs to be improved is, for example, you have an end result that you are aiming to achieve and the end result is not turning out to be as you expected. So I would say something could have gone wrong in the process. The third thing that I could think of could be delays and bugs. You know, if you feel like you're not achieving something in time or something keeps coming up, potentially something in the process could be fixed. And that could be, you know, implementation of a new system, new tool, new approach, a meeting that maybe should take place just to get everyone aligned and so on. So, yeah, so I would just say, you know, you don't want to have a process for the sake of having process. So if you also see that, you know, people are doing something and they're not following your standard operating procedure. It could also mean that oh no, it's not working. So you also revisit it. So yeah, a couple of reasons here that would signal that you should rethink your processes. Fantastic. Because one thing that inevitably comes in mind is when do you indicate those stuff, right? And it's probably kind of connected with the accountability checks as well. So if you are a turtle and you check in every quarter, uh, that probably is a little bit dangerous in terms of iteration. So what would be your recommendation when to revisit like whether goals were achieved and how strong processes are? 
Yeah, I mean, with the OKR framework, which I use, and I actually am a huge fan of it, um, they recommend even having like daily stand-ups just to review, you know, how things are going, what you're planning to work on today, what you did yesterday, what are the struggles you're facing. But, you know, as a small team, it makes sense to do it at least once a week. You know, just check on things, how it's going. And honestly, people are avoiding meetings so much because they think it, they are not being productive. But unless your meeting has a strict goal and a a clear agenda, of course, they are not going to be useful. So you have to have a strict agenda. You have to have a goal of the meeting. And then, yeah, I mean, my recommendation is at least once a week, you should be checking on your goals. Because when you think about it, a quarter passes by so fast, the month passes by so fast that, you know, you can be like, oh, I'll do it on Friday. And then you see that it's already next week's Friday and you haven't done anything. So definitely, you know, checkings as frequently as possible. Strong. That's going on with my exercises regime these days. (laughs) Gotta double down. (laughs) As you see, uh, Maya just blinked. (laughs) Totally, totally, totally. All right. So we identified this pitfall, something that is wrong with the process. For example, that we didn't hit a deadline and we had a retrospective Mm -hmm. and we have a, a kind of an idea of what we can do better next time. So how to set up improved processes for teams? How to actually implement this change? Mm -hmm. Another very good question. I mean, there's this old way, let's call it, or maybe old and to some extent proven way, which is you build a standard operating procedure inside like a Google sheet, and then you just store it in a folder and people just opens it up and checks what they have to do. And then of course, you know, if needed, they just build a new one. However, that's not the way I like build processes. I actually use Asana for that. Meaning that if I have a process that needs to be built, I actually make it very actionable and I build an Asana project slash process. Meaning that every time I have to repeat this process or someone has to repeat this process, they just use this template that we have inside Asana and they just execute on it. Meaning that this also keeps this actionable aspect and accountability aspect in inside the process. And I think it's just like saving a lot of uh, time and effort. And then, you know, inside Asana, you can also have like a main dashboard where you put all your processes, links to those uh, projects. And then for people, it's like very easy to find them and it's very easy to execute. So I would say like, this is probably the best approach that I have so far. And I mean, I, ha- I use this approach for multiple processes, like onboarding new team members, training new team members, onboarding clients, uh, sales process, basically anything that you would typically read on the paper. I just moved into Asana and made them an action items. So that's that would be my approach. And uh, that would be my recommendation how to build processes. Oh, do you sell those templates? <laughs> yes, I do have a, a course actually, but this is more HR related, like building okay. teams. So there are a lot, there are like, I think 17 templates that I have in there inside this course. But of course, we can agree on something. <laughs> okay, okay. This will be our after party after yeah. we hit the stop button for recording. Yeah. But um, and I'm blinking. <laughs> <laughs> and your eyes are shining because you're talking about Asana. So yes. here is a little joke that I have from you for you. Erika, from zero to 10, how likely would you recommend Asana to your friends and colleagues? Well, good question. 10. (laughs) No, I would really give it like a 10. But of course, you know, recommending is one part. If everyone actually listened to my recommendations and like, you know, people often ask for recommendations just to get them, but they don't really follow those recommendations. So, I mean, if they did really follow, it would be 10 plus all all the way, because I really think it uh, makes your life a lot easier. And uh, yeah, definitely 10. 
Ah, fantastic. And I've seen your work in practice. It's really so impactful for teams. It really transforms the way how teams are managed. I just like this modus operandi that they have, just like how they do work, it's really so much more than like putting stuff down and doing bureaucracy for the sake of bureaucracy. It's transformational. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's my approach. Uh, That's why I said I am building processes inside Asana because really you you need to have a process that works and that you actually can follow. And if you feel like something is not working, you have to adjust it. And my approach is once a month, always adjust your process because especially in a startup, those change very fast. So you cannot expect to build an onboarding process and that's going to be you done for the next year. It doesn't really work this way because you add additional tools, you add additional departments, maybe additional services that you offer. Maybe even, you know, you change like a legal requirements or something like that. So that also has to, you know, kind of be reflected in the onboarding process. So yeah, processes definitely should be updated at least once a month and always, you know, corrected. Fantastic. A potential barrier that pops to mind is how do you get buy-in from a team to use Asana? Because when you are introducing new softwares, you know how we are like, oh, there's yeah. another thing that I have to do and yada. So how to build this buy-in? Yeah. So first of all, my recommendation is, you know, if you make a decision to use Asana, make it firm. So it's not even a question on a table. This is like a new practice we're going to have. And the best way to do that is you start with leadership. So leadership should be the first part of the business, the first part of the team that actually uses Asana and shows example. And I always say, you know, when people, for example, when companies come to me for Asana consulting, I clearly express my expectations. So my, and my expectation is always you know, I need your commitment that you are going to be using it because if you're not going to be using it, nobody in the team will. And uh, overall, one thing I noticed, it does take between three to six months for people to finally, you know, get used to Asana. And yeah, of course, some people take it faster, some people uh, take it longer, but overall, yeah, three to six months and keep them accountable. Maybe even have this person in the team who's constantly going to oversee everyone, make sure, you know, the support is there, the right questions are being asked and so on. So yeah, it starts with leadership, you know, how, how they say the problem is always at the top of the bottle. So oh, just like to get the buy-in, it's a good role model per se. And I've seen like yeah. how this is manifested in companies. So the mm-hmm. company that you and I both work with uh, yeah. have uh, like this ritual of just like screen sharing Asana. So Asana yeah. is there, want it or not, it's just there. And eventually <laughs> exactly. like everybody has to learn how to use it, even me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but this is, you know, this is a like a great approach because and the leadership is keeping the team accountable that they will use it because if they don't, they are not going to be able to execute on their work. And if they don't execute on their work, there's going to be a lot of uncomfortable conversations down the road. And nobody wants to have uncomfortable conversations. That's like a fact. So, um, yeah. Cool. So the passion that you are sharing for Asana ecosystem and just like how it is vital to your line of work. What initially attracted you to Asana ecosystem? Like why Asana? It wasn't a choice. First of all, it wasn't like, you know, oh, I just found this awesome tool. I'm just so in love. It wasn't anything like that. I was just, you know, starting my career as a personal assistant in a fully remote company. I mean, it's funny to say fully remote. We're like five or six people at that point. And we just had Asana as a tool. Actually, now when I think, maybe I even researched it and there were a couple of options at that time. I think one was Trello, one was Asana and Asana, of course, had more functionalities. So we just started using it. Honestly, I'll tell you one thing. We used it for like six months 
not even like 5% of it as we could have used because we didn't know. So then we got a consultant on board. I mean, it took us like five sessions only. And, you know, then I was like, okay, it clicked in my brain. I know how to use it. It just makes so much sense. So yeah, it was kind of, you know, we decided to use it at the beginning and in the startup that uh, that I was part of and uh, eventually just grew into, you know, like a real passion. And uh, I just uh, researched later on different tools that are out there. And honestly, you can have a lot of benefits from every single tool that's out there, but you just have to stick with one and get the maximum out of it. So I chose Asana. Asana is like my go-to tool if you really want to build solid processes, solid communication systems and infrastructure. Fantastic. I'm just thinking, like, how does it apply to product-led companies' marketing, right? Because mm-hmm. apparently there is an additional ecosystem of consultants that have the power and, of course, the will to implement tools to the companies. And we are quite important decision makers yet. Mm-hmm. We are not often well catered, I believe, mm-hmm. because like we are literally doing free marketing for the tools. Well, not so much free. You can get an affiliate link. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah. it's really, really, really important that companies are nurturing consultants for our education, for just like fueling our passion for the tool. So could you share maybe some awesome support system for consultants that you are receiving from Asana, for example? Yeah. I mean, for a very long period, I wasn't even part of Asana community. I was just doing it out of passion. So I didn't collaborate with Asana. It was just, you know, I found this tool. I really like it. I find inspired and motivated using this tool. Why not to help everyone else? And it was just in September that I decided to do a course uh, to become Asana, you know, like partner. And uh, yeah, I mean, they have a strong community inside Asana and, uh, you know, they're just always offering help. You're always staying up to date with the trends and news. So of course, I think the community is, yeah, definitely very strong inside Asana. And um, yeah, I mean, anyone can do the the assessment. They just have to go through a lot of training material and do a lot of uh, quizzes and tests. But uh, yeah, overall, I think Asana is definitely supporting a lot of consultants. That's fantastic. And you get better as you are using it, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But you just have to constantly use it because no joke, Asana has been changing so much recently that every time you are, you know, I'm hopping on a call showing something like, it was there last night. Where is it now? So it literally changes like really rapidly. But the good thing is it changes for the better. So, you know, all the exciting changes are coming up when it's actually needed. Fantastic. Very nicely said. So yourself, you also kind of changed your business, which was Mm -hmm. initially a service business into kind of a product-led business, right? So you launched a couple of digital products and you plan to scale them further. How did that unlikely transition go? (laughs) Okay. So the transition, that's a very interesting um, word to use. I didn't quit the consulting. I mean, we still do consulting. We also added recruitment part, you know, for agencies and e-coms that uh, want to actually hire internationally remote. But yeah, at some point it's made sense to also create a digital product because you have so much knowledge inside and you're just, you know, burning to share that with everyone. And, you know, with consulting, you can do a limited amount of clients at once. So I was like, okay, why not to do a product so that my knowledge can be spread much, much uh, further and uh, reach more people. So that's basically how the idea was born. Yeah, we have one course for now. It's called the Ultimate Team Growth Kit. And that's a course that I mentioned has a lot of Asana templates, you know, explanations how to use them and so on. But definitely we have more course ideas in the pipeline. So it's just about, you know, getting them done, implementing and then sharing with the world. I love it because it's 
is the kind of scalability mechanism for the service firms, mm-hmm. right? So you can yeah. like go up with your fees to a certain extent, but when you are really passionate about something where there is like no justifiable reason why everybody in the world wouldn't know that, yeah, <laughs> exactly, digital products exactly. are an excellent solution. So yeah, exactly, I've been excited exactly. about your ebook lately. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I saw you downloaded sure it. <laughs> All right. All right. That was a little bit scary, GDPR. <laughs> but nevertheless, oh, we know each other. So that's good. fine. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> awesome. Leo, last but not least, we have to wrap this out, this wonderful conversation that went through like goal setting processes, marketing, and all the Sana loving. I think we should share it in the community from Asana as well. But nevertheless, Erika, what is your final message for product-led universe. How can we learn to improve processes and be more like you? Mm -hmm. My advice would be always test, learn, adjust, and test again. And when you feel like you failed, just keep testing because consistency is the key. So honestly, you know, you won't be able to build an ideal process from the first go. You won't be able to get everything done, all your goals right the first time. It just takes time to to adjust and don't be afraid of that because adjustment or it's starting from scratch is not really a failure. Just th- That just means you're just going to do it even better. Yeah. That's such an excellent point because it's an ongoing struggle, right? Like with time exactly. management and everything. You never win the system, you just get better at it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So better every day, 1%. That's I think what they said in Atomic Habits, right? 1% better every day. Yeah. That's it. Perfect. Thank you so much, Erica, for being with us. The last thing that we can appoint our listeners to is where can they learn more about your work and if they want to continue the conversation with you about all the cool stuff that we talked today. Yeah. So definitely uh, reach out via LinkedIn. We're going to put a link right inside the... Sure. The comments, so LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, any kind of platform, I'm, I'm there. I'm going to be responsive and I'm more than happy to help if you have any questions. And thanks, Maya, for having me here. It was a pleasure. It was such a joy and such a beautiful episode to air in the year of tiger. <laughs> Chinese year <laughs> of tiger it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening and stay efficient, stay effective, stay productive. Bye. Bye.